Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. There we go. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, what's up, Facebook family? Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide, and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope everyone is doing fantastic. On this whimsical Wednesday, hope you've had a fantastic day. Thank you for joining me again for another episode, and we're going to dig right in because I've got an appointment I got to get to. So tonight's topic is meeting the basic needs of childhood trauma. I created this little sketch the other day, and uh, I'm going to share it with you. And there's some copying stuff that's all around. Hey there, Valerie. Here's the thing. You have to start with the basic needs. So many times we try to create all these, all of these, these different scenarios with our children and address all these different scenarios and, and, and think about school and we think about friends and we think about home and we think about activities outside of the home and we think about peer interactions and it's just too much, you have, when, especially when you haven't even met the basic needs. So the basic needs of childhood trauma is something that you really have to pay attention to. Because, hello there Nina, hello Tracy, and hello Mimi. The basic needs of childhood trauma are the ones that oftentimes get stirred up the most and the most regular on the most regular currents. And when you don't meet those most basic needs, and let's let's just talk about what those are. Number one, one of the most basic needs of trauma is a sense of predictability. A, a child with a trauma experience needs to be able to predict what is going to happen in their lives. And if they don't have the ability to predict what it does is it agitates the amygdala even more. Another really basic need of childhood trauma is affection. Most children have had experiences where they have not felt safe with other adults. So in the imprints of their brain, they don't have that core experience an adult can make them safe. So they need lots of affection. The problem with affection is that when you have a child who's who's chronically stressed out in a home, it starts to create stress for the rest of the people in the home. And then the first thing to go is affection. So we stop being affectionate towards our children, but children who've experienced childhood trauma, affection is a really, really, really big deal. The third component of childhood trauma is food. Children who've experienced early childhood trauma, whether they were failure to thrive or whether they experienced neglect or whether it was just they come from abuse scenarios, whatever it may be, when the body becomes hungry, the brain immediately sends a signal to the amygdala, which causes the, the amygdala to get activated again and get agitated. When that happens, it immediately sends the child back into a regressed state. So making sure a child has snacks 
on a regular basis, making sure the food is available to them at all times whenever they need it is very, very important. And then another basic need of childhood trauma is interaction. It is attention. It is time. It is spending the quality time to just be present. You don't always have to be talking to the child, but you've got to be present with the child because your regulatory system is actually what teaches their regulatory system. And what is the regulatory system? In essence, at its core, it's an oxytocin responsive system. What is oxytocin? It's your brain's anti-stress hormone. So you need this because if your child who's been exposed to childhood trauma, then you have a very sensitive brain. If you have a very sensitive brain, you have a brain that releases a lot of cortisol all the time. And what that cortisol does is it causes you to either become hypo-aroused in your agitation state, you shut down, you become depressed, or you become hyper-aroused in your agitated state. You become aggressive and hyperactive. So a child needs the attention of an adult because what that adult's presence is doing, when you can stay present is triggering the child's oxytocin. And when you trigger the child's oxytocin, you're giving the child the opportunity to develop something they didn't have because oxytocin is, is a learned response in the brain. So that's very important. So the other night at the dad's group, I created this little sketch. In fact, it's, it's going to be backwards if I show it to you like that. So I'm going to turn it around right here. So now you can see it. So here's the illustration, essentially. This is the brain... This is your limbic system. This is your prefrontal cortex. This is your midbrain, your hypothalamus, your hippocampus, which is also known as your screen. Now, here, the limbic system you see runs down the spinal cord to the heart, to the gut, to all your extremities. The significance there is that when you become stressed in this part of your brain, it actually engages your physical body as well as your emotional body as well as your thoughts. So that's very important. But here's what people oftentimes don't understand. Trauma is stored within the limbic system. So you see all these little dots? Actually, I created the bigger dots when I was making a point, a different kind of point. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna remove those bigger dots. Let me stay on my screen up here. Uh, I got these fat, I have these very fat markers, so I'm not, I can't just pull them off. So I'm gonna fill that back in. What people don't realize about trauma is that trauma gets stored in that part of your brain the limbic system part of your brain. The limbic system part of your brain is not a thinking part of your brain. And because the limbic system is not a thinking part of your brain, it just gets stirred up. Hello there, Julia. Trauma gets stored here in a very incoherent, fragmented way. And it also gets stored in the rest of your cellular system. So your heart, your gut, your autonomic nervous system. The problem is, and this is what we don't see, is that when you have experienced trauma, anytime you get stressed, your limbic system gets activated, guess what gets turned on? The trauma memories. The trauma memories then discharge an energy which have to go through the midbrain. 
The problem is, is that early in life, if stress is uninterrupted, if it's prolonged, if it's overwhelming, it actually breaks through the screen. The screen is supposed to help you calm this down so the signal is delayed and, and diminished by the time it hits the prefrontal cortex. But if the, if, the cor if the cortisol, the discharge, the energy discharge is not calmed down over time, it creates little holes in the midbrain. And when it creates holes through the midbrain, what happens is that those, those energy signals that are all intertwined, coming from your amygdala, but all intertwined with your, with your, with your trauma, they shoot through the midbrain. When they shoot through the midbrain, they shoot through the midbrain uninterrupted. So from the limbic system, with all the trauma intertwined, shoots through the midbrain, so there's very little soothing that is occurring, and then they hit your prefrontal cortex, your frontal lobe, and then that's what causes all kinds of crazy, distorted thinking and suppressed short-term memory because overwhelming cortisol suppresses the hippocampus, which is right here. So this is why you get a child who looks out of control. It's because in the moment of being stressed, all their trauma is stirred up in the same part of the brain as any as where all their stress comes from so when all any of their any stress activation stirs up the trauma this is what people don't realize and so then what happens with childhood trauma is that when children become stressed they regress emotionally so that was just a little um a little sketch i put together i'm just kind of focus it on just so you can see that that until trauma is healed let me make this point real quick until trauma begins to be expressed, processed, and understood. And when you express, process, and understand trauma, actually what you do is you create a little more solid memory. Because previously before that, the memory will be all, all fragmented. But once you start to express, process, and understand, and finally talk about the memory, see it starts to come together a little bit more, Therefore, when you get triggered, you've got a little more clear understanding of what the trigger is about. You get a little better opportunity to say, I'm not at risk as much as I thought, as much as I once was. I'm no longer at risk as much as I once was. And then once you can do that, then... When you have regulated parents... What regulated parents can do is they can start to fill in the gaps. When you, when you as a parent can be regulated with your child with your child with the trauma brain in a consistent, repetitive, ongoing basis, that means you don't get completely overwhelmed every single time they have an outburst, then you can start repairing these holes in their brain. And then pretty soon when these signals come from the amygdala, they start to get a little bit more interrupted. Because now you have a little bit more screen, and the screen literally does what a screen does, and it, it, it funnels out those impulses. So instead of those impulses going straight from the amygdala, boom, through the screen, boom, to the prefrontal cortex, and boom, creating all this crazy, confused, distorted thinking, actually what a bigger screen does is it diminishes that. So by the time those impulses hit the prefrontal cortex, they've slowed down, you're able to make more sense of life. And then when you're able to make more sense of life and not feel like you're always being traumatized, you're actually able to be happier. So there you go. I hope that's helpful. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to react 
react from our same old blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or we can stop and slow down, take three to ten deep breaths, activate the screen, change what we are doing, and ultimately choose love. Oxytocin is known as the hormone that makes love possible. If you haven't read Chemistry of Connection by Susan Kaczynskis, you probably should. If you do an Amazon search and you search Chemistry of Connection, you'll see Susan Kaczynskis, um, that's K-U-C-I-N-S-K-A-S. There's also another book she and I co-wrote called Oxytocin Parenting from Zero, from In the Womb to Terrible Twos or something like that. You need to read that book because when you stress... When you stress, you regress. So you're almost always working with the emotional age. Hope that's helpful. Big Papa loves you. Hang on. We got to have our outro music. Have a fantastic evening. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless you. Choose love. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.